Hello and welcome to the Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at the Strad. This episode I'm chatting with violinist Rahi Singh about creative processes and experimenting. Rahi is an incredibly accomplished violinist who's no stranger to leading various ensembles and orchestras in different styles around the UK. So it's no surprise that her creativity informs her role as music director and co-founder of Manchester Collective. They've enjoyed a meteoric rise since Rahi started up the group with Chief Executive Adam Zabo back in 2016. 2021 was a big year for the collective as they released their album The Centre is Everywhere and also enjoyed their BBC Proms debut. As well as her work with the collective, Rahi is also a solo artist having released her solo EP called Quarry. Rahi and I spoke about creativity, not being discouraged by setbacks, and how landscapes influence sounds. Here it is. Rahi, welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to have you here today. So we're here today uh, to talk about your approach to violin playing. I know you're a really accomplished violinist already. You know, you're leader of various ensembles, including Manchester Collective. But also you work in experimental music and also electronics as well. So tell me a little bit about your starting point with experimenting, the experimental way that you use your violin. Well, I think with these things, there isn't... Um, or certainly I've found there's not a definitive starting point. I think I've been curious for many years, but not known the direction I wanted to go in and tried lots of different things, you know, gone lots down lots of different avenues, which um, then turned out not to be the right thing. My partner's actually an electronic musician, and so I've been around him for the last few years and and he's been doing his thing and I think that started to seep in by osmosis you know working with him and sort of observing how he does stuff and then thinking oh maybe I'll have a go and so I started having a go and t- to begin with you know it was not very good and it was just it was more a case of just trying things and actually embracing the element of play which I think when I have a violin in my hands because I've had such rigorous training on the violin I often find it hard to get to a space of real play and of not be of not judging myself because that's what we do isn't it we're constantly monitoring ourselves to to be better and in order to do that you have to self-criticize quite a lot and constantly evolve and, and try and better yourself putting myself in a space where I had no expectations of myself I had low skill level, I still have low skill level when it comes to making music on a, with a computer, but it just actually was liberating. It freed me up to, to use my ears and my heart more. And then obviously my partner was around, so he, if I got really stuck with something, he could tell, help me on the technical side. But I'm very much a beginner when it comes to you know, the technicalities of things, but I, you know, I can learn that stuff. But it was just quite liberating to to have this blank palette in a way. Yeah. Did you find it daunting at first? I mean, I guess in a way it's about staying curious, isn't it? And once you have that curiosity, you can continue to just explore. But then as you say, it's this big blank palette. Then, you know, how did you feel, you know, just putting something down on, well, I'm not going to say on paper, but down on the computer or whatever. How did you feel, you know, was it intimidating at first? Completely. I mean, it's very daunting, very intimidating and 
there's a lot of crap on my computer. Like what I've done, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'd because I think unless you, you've tried creating, we, we don't, you don't really know what the process of it is. And it's quite torturous actually. And I've observed that from my partner and also my sister has always been into sort of improvisation and I see the struggles that they go through and I've often had many ideas in the past but when you actually start to realize them what's in your head doesn't just appear and you try something and you're like oh my god that sounds awful that doesn't sound anything like it was in my head but then you have to put your judgment thing aside and and almost get lost and start trying other things and and not demand things of yourself somehow and just let your instinct lead you, I think. And it means sometimes, I mean, one of the tracks on my EP, I found something and I started working something. And then I had a week of doing stuff every day and being like, mm, no, I don't like it. It's not right. I try And carry, I carried on down that. And then and then something happened, um, maybe in my personal life, something emotional. And it sort of gave me a moment of thinking, oh, I don't have to go down that route. I can go down this route. And so I tried something else and that was like, oh yeah, that's the right way. But it was a whole week of of going down the wrong path to find the right path. Yeah, it's much like life, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You have to allow yourself to <laughs> You have to allow yourself to make those mistakes, those cringeworthy mistakes that at the time you just think, Oh my goodness, the world is ending. But then they lead you onto something that you wouldn't have expected. Of course. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because I think it applies not just to creativity but to you know, like personal development or even recovery from injuries or if you have, if something happens to you, then we expect everything to be linear and it's not. Like, Mm. as human beings, we rarely go from A to B in a straight line. Even when public transport, it doesn't even work like that sometimes, you know. And it's, it's the fact that we go all of these different directions to get from A to B, which makes it interesting. But we still have that expectation of ourselves that we're just going to get get there straight away and it, it just doesn't work like that no absolutely not and and it might look like that from an outsider's point of view I think that's that's the danger with that we often fall into as yes. we observe other people and we think oh they've gone from a to b they've won this competition that audition and they've accomplished all these things in a line but the things that you don't see I think those are the real telling points aren't they all the failures yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they're not failures though are they they're just like Unless you try, you, you're never going to get anywhere. There's plenty of times where I haven't got through first rounds of things or haven't won applications or whatever. It doesn't mean then you just stop. You're just like, okay. Actually, having been on both sides of things, having been on some panels, it re- you really realise it's just, it's just about the makeup of those people in that room on that particular day, at that particular hour, depending on what they had for yeah. breakfast and how they're feeling. You know, there's so many factors which are are out of your hands and nothing to do with you, actually. Exactly. I think if if you feel that rejection, you've got to make sure that you don't take it personally. You know, there's so many environmental factors that go on. Yeah. Speaking of your EP, and you've got a single release from that called Could I? I read it means excavation. Yes. So it sounds a little bit like in this podcast episode, we're doing a lot of excavation of our of our past. I know that it's been influenced by landscape. You know, you've spent a bit of time in Reykjavik, in Iceland, um, as well as here in the UK recording it. So tell me a little bit about how landscapes provide inspiration for 
particular soundscapes. You know, I'm particularly interested in Iceland because I was meant to go to a wedding last year there, but... As with most weddings in 2020, plans for those went down the drain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a shame. I've spent much of my life in cities, actually. I mean, my family home is in West Wales, but I studied in Manchester and London. I still I live in London at the moment, so sort of surrounded by urban landscapes. But having grown up in the countryside and on the edge of the National Park are the Brecon Beacons. If you grow up in an area like that, it kind of seeps into your, your makeup like most people, like when you're in nature, that you feel a, a different sense of relief and of being at one with something um, and you're part of something greater than yourself, which I think is something that it's good to hold on to because I feel like it helps me reach for a different force and, and realise it's not all about me. And I think about landscapes as well. You're seeing time physicalised. You're seeing mountains and like what used to be probably glaciers or, you know, you're seeing the effects of time on the earth and it makes me feel the present more because I feel my tiny little moment of time within this larger landscape and there's something humbling about. Somehow when we lose our, or let go of our ego, again, maybe it's like freeing ourselves to be truer to ourselves. I think part of of making stuff is about being true to what you believe and in, and part and comes with that is ultimately of course we want people to like the stuff that we make but you can't be thinking about that in the actual moment so it's about maybe a resonance a resonance like resonating with what's around you and that helping you to find your own resonance in some shape or form and that's what they say isn't it they say i hope this struck a chord with you or your audience and that's, that's exactly the same thing yeah. and of course if you're going to be thinking about are people going to like this right in the moment then you're probably not going to be creating your most authentic exactly. work exactly yeah and it's hard to do but actually it's a quite a calm and quiet space when you when you get there i suppose that's what i like about nature is that there's something quite calming about it even when it's very very dramatic and you know, storms or like crazy seas, but, or even like grey skies. You, I could, I feel like I could stare at the sky for hours. <laughs> Maybe it's because when you're in a city, you don't get to see it that much. And, um, you know, in its sort of true massive beauty, I love watching the sky change. Maybe it's just I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's a nice thing to do because, you know, there's sort of no time limit on doing something like that. Yeah. It's not like you're at your screen watching something on Netflix or something yeah. like that. So how much of the West Welsh countryside has sort of made it into your music making? All of this stuff, I think, is not um, a deliberate act, I, but it's more like by being in those spaces gets you, you into a personal particular space and it's just there. It's like you say, my music is quite abstract, actually. So all of this stuff is kind of, it's, it's floating around, but it's never a deliberate choice. But for many years, I've been walking in this local quarry and I realised one time that there's just a natural, amazing acoustic there. So one time I took my violin up. I mean, I didn't record myself playing in it, but I should do. But it's just, you know, the realising that it's like a Roman amphitheatre in some ways. I would stand in a certain place and it'd be amplified throughout the whole space. And those moments are just wondrous for yourself. Like there was no one else there. I didn't need to perform it to anyone, but it was just like such a marvel to discover that myself. And then maybe someone walked past walking their dog or something. But who the hell is this in the thing with a violin? (laughs) 
Oh, you never know. You might have made their day. They might go home and be like, you never guess what I just saw down in the quarry. Yeah. A violinist. <laughs> well, it did make me think I wanted to get a Welsh male voice choir up there. That would be really magical. Do it, put on a kind of, what's it called when you just put on a gig in the middle of nowhere type of thing. Kind of like a flash mob flash but without mob, loads exactly. of people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be epic. Yeah. Well, let me know if you ever do do that. I will. <laughs> Raki, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on your creative process and experimentation. <laughs> that was Raki Singh. Right now you're listening to the piece we mentioned in the chat from her solo EP. The track is called Kudai. Hopefully after listening to that you feel inspired to do something creative. No matter the amount of rubbish that ends up on your computer, it's important just to get something down. I've got a lot of rubbish on my computer having made a podcast. Check the show notes for details about Raki's solo work, as well as her upcoming concerts with Manchester Collective, which includes six world premieres over ten cities, plus a winter residency for emerging string players. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news and articles on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear... Register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. Don't forget, we've got 50% off an online subscription for students. Check the show notes for the link. Thanks again for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Bye.